Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch. Fastball pulled and Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. What's going on, Nick Pavetta owners? Not such a great Thursday for you. You Darvish owners, you can't be feeling too good either. We welcome you to Fantasy Baseball today. Adam Azer with Scott White and Heath Cummings. And yeah, we got to talk about these lousy pitchers, but also a couple of great pitchers, Tyler Glass now and Colin McHugh are awesome. We got a lot more from Wednesday. We have some rankings disputes to talk about, and it's a trade show. Buy low, sell high, and buy high. Guys, we're off to a good start, and we're totally buying it. Good morning, Scott. What's going on? Not much, Adam. What about you? Uh, well, really, just you, Darvish. He's going on. He's bad. He's he's bad. He's bad right now. You have a lot of shares of you, Darvish, right? Uh, two, I think two, maybe three out of six. So okay, it's you know it's not nothing, but it's it's not everything. Yeah. Um, Heath and Nick Pavetta. What the heck? Let's not start off with this negative. No, it, there's so many positive <laughs> things in the world to talk about. The wit streak is up to 31 games Woo! in a row. Can we just lead with the wit streak every day? Sure. Royals record. Royals record. Of course, he couldn't do it all in one season, but uh, 31 <laughs> straight for him. So I have some pretty cool stats for you, like what the Twins did last night and what the Dodgers and Cardinals have done in the last uh, 127 years, I believe. Yes, more on that later. All right, let's start with the drop-o-meter. Well, actually, let me, let me ask you this. If you were going to drop one of the two, would you drop Nick Pavetta or you Darvish first, Scott? I would drop Pavetta. I actually just released a um, do-not-drop list. I guess it's probably out this morning. And I decided to leave Darvish on it. Pavetta was not on it. Uh, but obviously, Darvish, with his history, I feel like he's deserving of a longer look. Okay, and, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not ahead. dropping you, Darvish or Nick Pavetta. Why? Um. Well, Darvish's history, I think, speaks for itself, and I mostly agree with Scott. And he he did look better in that start than he looked in his first start. So I think we're moving in the right direction. Um, Pavetta, it's just the reasons that I believed in him coming into this year. The peripherals made him look like a top twenty-five starting pitcher. All three of them, FIP, XFIP, and Sierra, and a lot of those things still look the same, and three starts just isn't going to be enough for me to change my mind. I, I'm holding on to both. The plan is to hold on to both those guys until May 1st. Okay, here's what Gabe Kapler said about Nick Bavetta. Quote, Nick has been really close for quite some time. A lot of that starts with his intent and preparation. It's conviction and attack. He sometimes picks around the strike zone instead of aggressively attacking hitters. It's a mindset. All right, there's that. And then uh, I don't have a quote on you, Darvish, except uh, my quote was, damn you, you Darvish, which I probably said a few times last night. Um, but, uh, yeah, not, I don't know. Not, not a lot of encouraging things here. All right, like, look at the fringy starting pitchers. Trevor Richards is only 61% owned. Brandon Woodruff pitched last night. He's been okay, 66% owned. Are you dropping these guys? I know you don't want to drop them, but if a stallion is out there or a brewer is out there, would you make that move? There's no way I'd drop them for Woodruff. Richards I have ranked right in the same range. I probably wouldn't do it. I'd probably just hold them. I don't think there's a I'm certain enough that Richards is going to be better. 
Okay. I'm not certain enough either, but I feel like after three great starts and maybe the best one of all yesterday, you're more at risk of losing Richards to somebody else than you are of losing Pavetta if you drop Pavetta today. That's that's my hunch. Could be wrong. Uh, I think if it is wrong, the the chances of Richard being great are so, so high that it you, you probably won't regret it still, even if Pavetta does come back and have a strong season. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, there's a good chance you will get away with it and maybe have another shot at Pavetta later. So you're all in on Trevor Richards. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. I At three starts, it's it's impossible to be all in on somebody after only three starts, but... It's all gone exactly as I hoped it would. He's dominating with that uh, that changeup and missing a lot of bats. Only one hit yesterday. The walks were kind of weird, but both pitchers had a lot of walks in, in that game. I'm not sure what that was all about. And yeah, he's looked really good after a really strong spring. Zero and wins. He, he is my favorite stallion. He's zero wins, though. You know, Just keep that in mind. He's got a 2 ERA, a one 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 eleven whip. 18 strikeouts and 18 innings, yeah. three quality starts, zero wins. That that does have to matter a little bit. I mean, I still think he's probably Trevor Richards under owned at 61%, but you know, oh it's yeah, going to be tough. Definitely to under owned. But yeah, it will be tough to win games if they could settle on a closer. It might help. They're, you know, Drew Steckenrider clearly not getting the job done. All right, how about the good from yesterday, guys? Um so much for spring trading. Colin McHugh and Tyler Glass now are off to great starts. I think we may have been a little concerned about them in spring training. But McHugh has a 265 ERA, 5 walks, 22 strikeouts in 17 innings, .88 whip. And he has faced Tampa Bay, Oakland, and the Yankees, an okay Yankees lineup. Tyler Glass now struck out 11 White Sox. He has 3 walks, 21 strikes, 3 walks for Glass now. That's huge. In 17 innings. Uh, he hasn't thrown more than 85 pitches in a start yet and didn't throw more than 98 pitches in any start last year. So keep that in mind for Glass now. <laughs> but uh, would you guys like to say anything about Colin McHugh and Tyler Glass now? Two studs from yesterday. Heath Cummings. I love, love, love what Glass now is doing. think the sky is the absolute limit for him. Well, 90 pitches might be the limit. <laughs> he could be an absolute star in this league. And McHugh has made the concerns over spring training look ridiculous. He's a very good sparp, and I am excited about him, but I'm I'm much more excited about Glass now. The crazy thing about McHugh is his best pitch is one he didn't even have the last time he was a starter. He he picked up the Brad Peacock slider, which was the pitch that made Peacock uh, good for the Astros after bouncing around from organization to organization. Uh, McHugh, like, it, the slider was basically the main pitch he threw yesterday. He threw the fastball and slider, nothing else really, and dominated like this. I, I think 14 of his swinging strikes came on the slider. It's, it's really impressive to see. I mean, they're both, they're both awesome. And, and they're both, I think, uh, poster childs for why, like, a bad spring, you, like, when a pitcher's struggling in spring training, and I fell victim to it some, I, I ended up with fewer shares of these guys than I should have because they both had issues this spring. But unless it's an issue of of stuff, like the guy just can't get the velocity where it belongs, you, you have to ignore it, I feel like, because there have been too many examples of this. 
where and, and I, I'll have to remind myself next time it happens, I guess. I, I even brought up the Rich Hill comparison, his first year with the athletics. How I grew concerned about it then when he was struggling in spring training. It's you just have to kind of tune it out if you believe in the if you believe in the ability and and what uh, what um, evidence the guy showed in the previous season. Yeah, well, I, I, what's I guess why I kind of bought into the McHugh struggles was that he hadn't really been a good starting pitcher. He'd been all right, but never like a must start as a starter. His numbers in the bullpen were great. It's nice to see it translate. He's off to a, a great start. Now, Heath, you wanted us to be happy and optimistic and not talk about you, Darvish, and Nick Pavetta. So why? what on Thursday, other than Whit Merrifield's stinking hit and streak, what on Wednesday, excuse me, made you super happy? Um, well, I mean, we've talked about several things. I think Trevor Richards was phenomenal. And again, I, he was my favorite of the stallions and the only one that I really was considering must add. I didn't know he was only 61% owned. I don't think he's available any of any of my leagues because Scott and Chris are in most of them and they were more excited about these pitchers than I am. But I think he's a legitimate top 30 starting pitcher. Uh, probably the rest of the way. I've got him right around 40 for now. I just told me he did a little bit more. And then Frankie Montas had one bad inning, but another very good start for him. Okay, well, why don't we jump to the fringes here <clears throat> that pitched yesterday. In sorted by ownership percentage, they are Brandon Woodruff, Trevor Richards, Derek Rodriguez, and a 40% own Frankie Montas, who has a 318 ERA and three starts with four walks to 14 strikeouts. And he'll face the Astros next week, which is a little scary. But Woodruff, Richards, Derek Rodriguez, and Frankie Montas, Heath, uh, how would you rank them? I've got them, and I need to update my Montas ranking, but uh, I believe Richards, in a points league, I might put Derek Rodriguez second, um, Montas, and then Woodruff. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, what's up with the Woodruff hate? Um, I don't, I'd like to know what's up with the Woodruff love. <laughs> It's a fair question, I suppose. Uh, uh, I, I mean, he has he has been getting strikeouts, missing bats. He hasn't pitched deep into a game yet, which I guess would be my main concern. But I, he's clearly equipped to three pitches, uh, four pitches actually, and he gets like an he gets swinging strikes on all of them. Uh, he had four on the fastball, four on the changeup, four on the slider yesterday. I think he has double-digit swinging strikes in all three of his starts. He hasn't been efficient enough to go deep into games yet, but it's not like it's a control issue. Well, so I been, still feel not really been, good about. He's not been good enough to go. He's given up ten runs in fifteen innings. If you look yeah, at the, it's the, a lot of like four, it's a lot of like four runs in five innings. It's nothing like he's terrible. getting shelled out. Well, there. well, okay. I'll give you the breakdown of the three starts. Only one was like really bad. First start was five innings, two runs against St. Louis. Second start was terrible. Four innings, four runs on six hits against the Cubs. And then last night for Woodruff, six innings, four runs, one walk, seven strikeouts. So it's like he's flirting with a good line in two of his three starts, but not quite getting there. No quality starts yet. You got to like the walk-to-strikeout ratio, five walks to 20 strikeouts, or, or four walks to 20 strikeouts. Very good. Um, yeah, I mean, I see both sides here. He's The production hasn't been that good. But then again, like, I mean, what what does Nick Pavetta have over Brandon Woodruff, you know? I, like, but there's yeah, never I mean, been good strikeouts in fifteen. Yeah, twenty strikeouts in fifteen innings. Um, I, I, I guess it's been like I, if I'm a Woodruff owner today, I'm not disappointed. Like, I, I definitely feel like things are moving in the right direction here. 
and he just hasn't had it uh, the start where it all comes together yet. But it's not like, you know, it's not like he's struggled with a ton of walks or he hasn't missed bats like I thought he would. I, I, I think I, I, you know, I, I think there's still a lot to like here. I, I just wonder, and I don't, I don't know. Freddie Peralta has the best start and probably the worst start of the group. I don't know who's losing their job in a week, week and a half when Jimmy Nelson's back because he looked great in his first uh, rehab start. It'll be Peralta or Davies. Or I mean, Davies. maybe Zach Davies. Yeah. Uh, so, Heath, by the way, what happened to that trade offer that we talked about at the end of yesterday's show? Is it happening? Um, I told you to send it to me. Oh, we sent it to you. Okay, yeah. well, I, I, I can't act unilaterally anymore. I have to bring in Scott. So, Scott, we would give up Chris Sale. And we would, what was it? We'd give up sale and we'd get Gary Sanchez. And Max Freed. And Max Freed. Scott has already turned this trade down once. I, I, Scott, I think we have to take it. What? We'd give up, I'd rather have Sanchez than sale. But our lineup is so good. Not our catcher. Why do we need more? We don't, we don't need more power. Max Freed is a better, is a harder throwing lefty. Than Chris Sale, you can't dispute that he okay. throws harder. Well, the funny thing about I, this I is mean, Chris was very adamant that we are not doing this trade yesterday. He wants no part of this deal. Scott wants no part of this deal, and Adam and I want to make it. Yeah, <laughs> actually, I don't know. I'm starting. It sounds like it's probably I'm, an even trade. I'm having second thoughts now. I'm having second thoughts. Uh, yeah. So Scott, who would yeah. rather who would rather have Gary Sanchez or Chris Sale? Straight up. Oh. Well, Clearly, I clearly I'd rather have sale. <laughs> I guess it's not clear, but uh, the the specific circumstances in this particular right. league are right. are driving my opinion. Um, I think if you had a deep staff and you had questions about your offense, this this would maybe be a a way to um you know protect yourself from a disaster scenario with sale, which is certainly possible, but. I I I still feel like he's going to put it all together and and be fine. That's my that's my I opinion. um I put this trade offer on Twitter asking people to pick a side. And 920 votes later it is tied 50-50. Wow. <laughs> that's got that Twitter poll has nothing on the Dodgers and Cardinals. I keep teasing this uh stat that I'm going to give out that's going to completely underwhelm everybody. Scott, did you have a standout <laughs> from Wednesday's games? I am uh, going to point to Jordan Lyles here because that was an interesting start he made against the Cubs, striking out 10 in six innings after not really impressing this spring, but um, the Pirates showed a lot of confidence in him heading into spring training. They had a few candidates for the fifth starter job and uh, were pretty consistently saying it's going to go to Lyles after signing him this offseason. Because uh, they were really impressed with what he did with his secondary arsenal last year, split between the Padres and the Brewers. And, the, and there were times last year where he looked like he might be fantasy relevant. Did his best work out of the bullpen for the Brewers down the stretch last year. Um, just kind of seems to have made uh, the, the same sort of adjustment Colin McHugh made, made when he first broke out for the Astros in terms of going from being like a sinker baller, pitch to contact type to four seamer curveball, hopefully get some strikeouts. So he's behind the other group of uh, interesting waiver wire ads at starting pitcher that we've been mentioning for weeks now. 
uh, you know, the the Corbin Burns is all the stallions. He's behind them. But I think he's in the discussion, particularly in a points league since he's relief pitcher eligible. Okay, so let's then go to the deep league guys here because I did want to talk about Jordan Lyles. And I believe he get. Oh, I don't have his matchup for next week. I apologize. He might be a two-star pitcher. Let's find out. Uh, he is a one-star pitcher at the Detroit Tigers. Not so bad. He will face Matthew Boyd. So here are the deep league guys. All these players are owned in 21% of leagues or fewer. I'm going to start with the pitchers here. Uh, I'm going to make Scott pronounce the first name. The guy who pitched for the Padres last night. Uh, Nick is his first name. You're going to pronounce his last name. What's his last name, Scott? Nick... Nick uh, Mar- Margevichus. I believe it's Margevichus, but that was pretty good. That was pretty good. Nick Margevichus. <laughs> Not good uh, enough. Jordan Lyles, Lance Lynn, Tyler Malley, and Jeremy Hellickson. Jeremy Hellickson threw 100 pitches last night, more than he threw in any start last year. Uh, Nick Margevichus, Jordan Lyles, Lance Lynn, Tyler Malley, Jeremy Her- Hellickson. Guys, who's uh, who's worth owning in anything other than a super deep league? Just Lyles? No, I. They're all. They're all on the periphery for me. I think. Uh, let me make sure I'm not including anybody there who I shouldn't. Hellickson, not really. And Mally, uh, I, I think, would be the obvious guy to go once Alex Wood is ready. So he's deeper leagues too. Um, but Mar Marjeva just Margavich's name is Margavich's. I have been taking a long. I've been taking a long look at him every start. Um, really good control, not a hard thrower at all, but um, you know, seems to have enough of a secondary arsenal there that, um, you know, obviously he's having success. So I'm not ready to pick him up, but he's he's in. You know, I, I'm closely monitoring him. I would rank them Margavichits, <laughs> Lyles. Mally, Hellickson. And then Lance Lynn? I'm really Lynn? curious about Lance Lynn now. I have no interest in Lance Lynn. Oh, so you intentionally left him off. strikes yesterday. Yeah. At Arizona. And that, was after, and that was after seven strong innings the previous start. Only five Ks in that start. But, um, yeah, he's, he's, his fastball is looking really good right now. Okay, his two, his one bad start, Lance Lynn, he's on the Rangers now, by the way, was at home, and his two good starts have been on the road, so we'll see if that is a trend that continues. He will get the Angels next week. Your deep league hitters, guys. Uh, Chad Pinder, 21% owned. I talked about him yesterday. He had another good game. Leori Garcia has three steals so far. Um, he's 10% owned. He leads off for the White Sox. Larry Garcia has scored nine runs and he's 10% owned. And Mitch Garver had another good game and he's 11% owned. Still only four starts this season, but two in a row for Mitch Garver. Um, so Pinder, Larry Garcia, Mitch Garver, Heath real quick on them. Pinder's probably the only one. Like in a deep league, I'll add, I'll add Garcia just because he's been leading off and he does have a little bit of steals potential, but Pinder's the most interesting. Quick break here on Fantasy Baseball today. When we come back, how worried are we about James Paxton? How worried are we about Jose LeClerc? And we have some news on Vladimir Guerrero Jr. We're coming right back. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, 
legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, so Wednesday is Worryometer Wednesday. You know I love alliteration, so if you're new to the show, Thursday is Thuriometer Thursday. We get the Worryometer out. It's nothing. It's a Thuriometer. It's nothing. <laughs> it means nothing. It means you're worried on Thursday is what it means. Um, Thuriometer <laughs> Thursday for two pitchers, uh, James Paxton and Jose Leclerc. Paxton said, I just didn't have the extra gear. I will get to work between starts and my next, uh, and my next one and between this start and my next one, excuse me, and try to figure out what's going on over the next few days. I will look at video and see if there's something going on with my delivery. So Scott, how thurried are you about James Paxton zero to 10 on the thuriometer? Uh, probably like a two. I mean, if you look at the game log, the first start, he didn't allow many runs, but the strikeouts were down. The second start, it was kind of a Brandon Woodruff start, a lot of strikeouts, but four earned runs in less than six innings. And then this third start was kind of the worst of both worlds. But it's not like it. I, I don't see a concrete issue here that would raise concern for me. I think it's just scuffling out of the gate. Yeah, I'll, I'll give him a zero. This is I think you have to give him a pass. This was his first start against a major league team this year. And, yeah, um, but the first two weren't good. I mean, that's actually what bothers me because he didn't do that well against Baltimore. He did fine, but it just felt like spring training. Still, he thought he was pitching against a college. I, I guess working so. On, working on things. Yeah, yeah. He's one and two with a six ERA, six walks, nineteen strikeouts. Are you going to start him against the Red Sox next week at home? Probably. I think I would. Yeah, it's Paxton. Sounds like uh, we can throw a little buy low tag on James Paxton if anyone's selling. Uh, how about Jose Leclerc? Two crap appearances in a row. Now, I didn't mention this on yesterday's show. I should have. But I didn't realize it. Uh, when he gave up three runs at Arizona two nights ago, Leclerc hadn't pitched in six days. Then they wanted to get him back on the mound last night to get that taste out of his mouth, and he gives up one run uh, on one hit and one walk in a third of an inning. So that's two bad ones in a row for Jose Leclerc. Thuriometer, 0-10, to 10, Scott White. I'll go four. Uh, you have to be a little worried given his past control issues. Like he hit a couple batters yesterday, so was clearly struggling with that. But I don't think his role is in any kind of jeopardy right now. Chris Chris Woodward, the Rangers manager, said after yesterday's game that he's their best pitcher on the entire staff. So uh, they still seem to have a lot of confidence in him. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll go six. It Really, the control hasn't been that bad so far this year. The weird thing is... He's got five swinging strikes hmm. on the season and 81 pitches. That's which is just a little under, under a game's worth. And he's got three strikeouts in six appearances. Oh, that is pretty interesting. All right, Jose Leclerc. I don't think that, I don't think it's worth speculating on someone, as Scott said. I mean, they're sticking with Jose Leclerc right now. Um, right. Yeah. All right, news and notes. All right, so Toronto sent Vladimir Guerrero Jr. to AAA after a rehab assignment. Uh, so he, you know, he's all, he's healthy now. He just has to get his swings in in AAA and hopefully we'll see Vlad soon. And Clayton Kershaw is going to pitch either Sunday or Monday. He was throwing between 88 and 90 regularly, apparently, and peaking at 92 miles per hour in his rehab start. So I would ask you guys, who would you rather have rest of season, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. or Clayton Kershaw? Kershaw. Guerrero. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> I was drafting Guerrero ahead of Kershaw, so I don't. You know, nothing's changed based on the way Kershaw's rehab assignment's gone. That that sounds about like the range he was throwing in last year, uh, velocity-wise. 
Um, and I'm not expecting a major resurgence, but you know, he was pretty good last year. <laughs> Must start. So, uh, I, I'm fine with Kershaw. I just think Guerrero will arrive soon and will be a stud right away. Max Muncy made his third appearance at second base. He's hitting better. He's almost second base eligible. That's awesome news for Max Muncy. Uh, Dodgers catcher Russell Martin is on the IL and Martin had basically been alternating with Austin Barnes at catcher. So Barnes could get more playing time now. He's gotten a little cold batting 188 in his last six games, but you know, that's a good thing for Austin Barnes, 74% owned. Meanwhile, Williams Ostadio has started three of the last four games at three different positions for the Twins. So we want to keep, see that continue. Jonathan VR is shortstop eligible. CC Sabathia is going to start against the White Sox on Saturday. Uh, how owned should CC Sabathia be? Would you rather have Sabathia or Jordan Lyles? Lyles. Yep. Okay. Gary Sanchez had leg tightness. He was able to pinch hit. Mike Trout sat. Alex Bregman sat. Jay Bruce left with an Achilles injury. Daniel Vogelbach, potentially more playing time. <laughs> he didn't play anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but this would be, this would clear up a logjam, but honestly, we're not rooting for that. We're rooting for yeah. Jay Bruce to be okay. Uh, cause he I believe has the major league lead in home runs right now. And Travis Shaw bruised his hand. He is day to day. Here are some weird baseball notes for you weirdos out there. Trevor Rosenthal. He retired a batter for the first time this season. The first 10 hitters that Trevor Rosenthal faced this season all reached base safely. So he's off the schneid. The Twins pitching staff allowed seven straight Mets hitters to reach base without a hit or an error. They walks and hits batsmen, basically. The first time that has happened in 25 years. Seven straight batters reached base without a hit or an error. And here we go. The stat no one cares about. Since the year 1892... The Dodgers and Cardinals are tied with 1,029 wins apiece. And I think there are some ties in there as well. But they are even 500 in more than 2,000 games since 1892. That's actually pretty cool. Right? Pretty cool? It's pretty cool. Sure. All right. Thank you. Pretty cool. Hey, Scott White, what's going on in prospect land? Who do we need to know about? Uh, Carter Kiboom. Seems to be off to a pretty good start for the Nationals, which is interesting because he's their top remaining prospect and also shortstop. And they're kind of without their shortstop for the time being. Uh, he's at AAA, still young. I'm not sure Trey Turner is going to miss enough time that the the Nationals would want to take the lid off that. But it's worth noting that he's off to a good start. Uh, other prospects who I think top the list of ones I'd be stashing right now um, include Forrest Whitley, include Kyle Tucker. Uh, still waiting for Nick Senzel to return to action, but he is high on that list as well because there's a clear path for him to get at bats with the Reds. And obviously the upside is high. And um, Jesus Lazardo, also not pitching yet, but I think he'll be in the major league rotation soon after returning, so he is still high on my stash list. All right, so the the, the prospects mentioned here, Washington shortstop Carter Keboom, Houston starting pitcher Forrest Whitley, and outfielder Kyle Tucker, Cincinnati second baseman Nick Senzel, who could play some outfield as well, or maybe all outfield, and Oakland, actually, nah, I think it makes more sense for him to play second base without Murphy, and Oakland starting pitcher Jesus Lazardo. Um, you know, it's kind of a shame because I drafted Nick Senzel to be an outfielder for me. And 
I'm not sure that's going to happen. But you know what? That's, I'll take it. Just just come up. Just come on. They, they said, I mean, before he got hurt, they said they still wanted him to get reps in the outfield and the minors even after Jeanette went down. So I, I suspect that's still how he's going to arrive. But maybe not. Things could change. Fellas, it is Thursday. I can't make alliteration with the word trade. Thrade. Trade talk, talk, trade, talk. trade talk itself is alliteration. That works for me. Let's do buy low, sell high, and buy high. And Heath, since you completed your homework assignment first when I asked for these names yesterday, I'm going to let you kick it I off. I always do. Yeah, you, you're very good, very good at doing your homework. Were you, did you, you do your homework in <laughs> school? Like when you were growing up? Almost never. Yeah. <laughs> I got that sense. I feel like you're a bit of a rebel. Uh, I don't know that I was a rebel. I was just lazy. Oh, okay. Um, he's a rebel. Too lazy to be a full, look at that beard. full-fledged rebel. Look, yeah, look at that beard. <laughs> Who's a buy low, Heath? Uh, I'm going with Chris Sale. Uh, I do think, like, I think Gary Sanchez and Max Freed is a very buy low offer, and half of my Twitter followers thought it was a fair <laughs> deal or they would take it. Um, I offered Aaron Nola and Odubel Herrera for Sale and Starling Marte. It got rejected. But again, like 40% of people seem to think that was a fair trade. I expect that Sale... I, listen, I think this is a bad, bad plan that they came into the year with. And I think it's going to have a negative impact probably for another, a few more starts on Sale. But I expect that within the next month, we're going to see, see the real Chris Sale. And he's going to be an ace for the rest of the year. Scott, who's a buy low? I think I have to go with a Jesus Aguilar, which isn't to say there aren't concerns there, but I've been seeing, um, you know, I, I've been getting talk of people maybe dropping him. I think it's premature for that. So if somebody is on the last, you know, if somebody's on the verge of doing that in your league, it doesn't hurt to float an offer out there, you know, one of your, or maybe like your sixth starting pitcher for him or something, seventh starting pitcher. Sure. Uh, there's, like he, it's not like it's a crazy strikeout rate or anything to think he couldn't bounce back. He was disappointing in the second half last year, but obviously had a great year overall. Yeah, he they had the DH last night and he didn't play, but give him give him a little bit of a break. Get your head right, yeah. Jesus Aguilar. Uh, all right, Heath, who's a sell high candidate? You're not gonna like this one, and nobody's going to like it, and it's not fun. But I'm going to say Pete Alonso. He has been fantastic to start the year. He's not this good. He's got like a 455 BABIP, a 30% strikeout rate, and a home run to fly ball ratio that's almost 40%. Hmm. There is, it's not going to be near this good. I think he could be a borderline top 12 first baseman, but if someone's really excited about him, especially if you have a Mets fan in your league, and they've got one of those struggling first basemen at the start of the year, I would, uh, I'd be trying to sell high. On Pete Alonso. All right. Scott, who's a yep. sell high? Glaber Torres. Like both him and Alonso. I, I get what he's saying about Alonso, but I recognize that the upside is really high too. And, and he didn't have near that strikeout rate in spring training. So I'm not, I'm not really sure what to buy in terms of the strikeouts. It is technically 30% now, but obviously a small sample. Um, Glaber Torres is a guy who also has a lot of upside, and this could be a full-fledged breakout, but um, I think it's also an opportunity to maybe get a stud return for a player who may be a stud, but you didn't draft him to be, you know? 
Um, and I'd rather have the sure thing than the possible thing. It would have to be a legit sell high, though, which is always something I like to stress in these discussions. And it's not like you need to get rid of this problem. It's you have this opportunity now. I'm going to throw out two names. Uh, Will Myers, I just, you know, he's got a 400 Babbitt. And he's off to a really good start, but I think there's probably a cold streak coming. And, like, he's a 260 hitter. So just if, if in a good year, he's a 260 hitter. In fact, he hasn't hit 260 since his rookie year in 2013, although he did hit 259 once, just looking at his stat page now. So, like, a really consistent slash line three years in a row, around 250, around 330 OBP, around 460 slugging percentage. That's what he is. Right now, he's batting 326 with a 565 slugging percentage, Will Myers. Um, you guys feel free to disagree. Also, I, I really want to see what I can get for Clayton Kershaw. I brought this up last week, but I feel like maybe there's an owner that's really excited about Clayton Kershaw. And like I said, I don't think this is his last DL stint. I was, you know, the, what he did in the postseason was really high and really low, like sometimes great. If he's throwing 88 to 90 miles per hour, how great can he be? I don't know. Um, I think you have to get a, I think you have to get obviously a stud, but I would take, I don't know if this is possible, but I would take Aaron Nola. I know Aaron Nola's off to a really bad start. I would take him over Clayton Kershaw. Like if you can just get an ace or a guy that you, that was drafted in like the first three rounds, I think that's worth it for Kershaw. Would you rather have Kershaw or Chris Sale rest of the season? I'd rather have Kershaw, but I could see I'm such a wimp. I really am. Like, in just in life, I'm just such a wimp, and I'm just terrified of Chris Sale. Uh, I I feel like there could be an underlying shoulder issue there because there was last year. Yeah, you know. Well, isn't it? Wouldn't it also be wimpy? Like, couldn't you make the argument the coward's way out is to trade Chris Sale? I mean, or Clayton Kershaw. Either either one is scary. Like, yeah. Either one could go disastrously wrong for you. Yeah, and I do think in talking about his velocity, it's worth saying he averaged ninety point nine miles per hour on his fastball last year and had a two seventy three ERA. Right, You're right. I don't that... think he threw a ninety four mile per hour pitch all year. Okay, but if he's at eighty eighty nine, it was his. You know, look, he's building up his arm strength. I get it, but if he can't get to ninety ninety one, he could be a little bit worse. You know, that that was a really high ERA for Clayton Kershaw. Um, but you would rather have Nola than Kershaw, right? I'd rather have Nola than Kershaw. Yes, I wouldn't. I I would rather have Sale than Kershaw. I get it. Yep. Oh, okay. Uh, how about a buy high? Heath, you're first. Buy high. Um, I'll go with Luis Castillo. If if what he's done early on this season is legit, and he continues to post a 55% ground ball rate. I think he's at 58 now, and he continues with a 16% swinging strike rate. He's going to be a top 10 starting pitcher. Oh, Luis Castillo could be top 10. All right, so uh, buy high on Luis Castillo. Scott, who you buying? I mean, I don't want to necessarily stick to the na- same names, but I, I, I think Tyler Glass now is somebody who fits this completely. He just looks like even beyond what he showed down the stretch for the Rays last year, he his his strike percentage then was 62%, which was a great improvement over his Pittsburgh days. It's been better than that in each of his three starts. Like the reason his pitch count has been so low is because he's been uh, ridiculously efficient, which is crazy to say 
given his past and given his stuff. Uh, but that's that's what it's been. He just he looks like he's taking an ace turn here, and um, I'm totally buying it. I, I'm 100% with Scott on Tyler Glass now. He and Castillo are two of the three young pitchers that I've moved into my top 25 starting pitchers in the first month of the season, and I'm very excited about buying high on both. Okay, let's see if we can figure out the third young starting pitcher that has moved into Heath's top 25. I know. You should you should definitely know it, Adam. There is no question. You already know the answer. Trevor Richards? No. 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 It's in the notes. It's in the notes today? <laughs> it's in the notes today. You put it in the notes. Yeah, you could say you could oh, say oh, uh, oh, he has oh. a fever. Yeah, yeah, Shane Bieber. Because he's made one start this yeah. year, right? Okay. Well that's great, because we are gonna do some rankings disputes right after this quick break on fantasy baseball today. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. Rankings disputes. Here we go. All right. Well, let, let's let's start with Shane P- Shane Bieber. Okay. Scott's got him thirty six. Heath, uh, I believe Heath. This is one of three young starting pitchers that you have moved into your top twenty five. You have moved. That is exactly right. Yeah. Shane Bieber to twenty first overall. I'm going to give Scott the first word here. Thirty sixth on Bieber, which is pretty good still, but fifteen spots behind yeah. Heath. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say I'm down on Bieber having him thirty sixth. Um, it it's it's a Heath's ranking is I think is particularly aggressive considering he's made one start and it was a really good start, but the main reason I got excited about him uh, leading up to to the season was he flashed this changeup in spring training that everybody was raving about. His numbers against left-handed hitters last year were terrible. I feel like he really needs that changeup to to complete the arsenal and to become the well-rounded pitcher. That would even live up to 36th overall ranking, you know? Uh, he threw it once, I believe, in that first start. Maybe he was just pitching so well he didn't need to mess with it, but it makes me wonder how much confidence he really has in it. If he doesn't have a changeup this year, he's probably going to get hit hard by lefties again. The funny thing was he actually threw his slider a third of the time in that start. So it is just one start. It's tough to make too much out of what pitches he threw, what percent of the time. The thing basically for me was I had Shane Bieber higher than 36 before the season. I think I had him 29th or 30th. And those guys in that 20 to 30 range, it has not been a great start to the season for. I believe that Bieber had borderline ace upside coming into the year. He looked like a borderline ace in his first start, and I'm riding with it. Here are some of the pitchers that Heath has Bieber ahead of. Uh, right behind Bieber are Castillo and Glasnow, so let's just call that a three-way tie between those three youngsters, Bieber, Castillo, Glasnow. Then it's Chris Archer. You've got him ahead of German Marquez and Charlie Morton. Those Have two. you ever seen German Marquez pick <laughs> pitch at Coors Field in the year 2019? I saw it in the year 2018. It was glorious. He was Look, you got to understand with Marquez, he was intimidated by Max Fried. That is why he struggled. 
But <laughs> you got you got him over Charlie Morton, Bieber over Morton, and and Wheeler. And then after that, I mean, it's, you know, Tanaka, John Gray, Kenta Maeda, Robbie Ray, David Price, Bumgarner. Everybody's got question marks there. Um, I will dispute. I will definitely dispute the Charlie Morton, Shane Bieber thing. Yeah, I, I Morton's been good so far. He's been good in a very limited fashion. He seems to have a shorter leash than even Glass now does. I guess that's true. Yeah, Maybe I mean, we can expect that from the Reds. I, I will definitely dispute the Herman thing because I think 19 of Herman Marquez's last 20 starts has been exactly what Heath is hoping for from Shane Bieber. Probably better than Heath is realistically hoping for from no, Shane Bieber. No, not better. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so let's move on to our next rankings dispute here. And I, I changed it up on you guys. I took Jay Bruce out, and I put Jose Peraza in. Bruce is hurt, so I don't know what the severity is, but uh, no need to debate that. Um, but Jose Peraza, Scott, you have him 13th at second base, and Heath, you have him 20th. Scott, people are wondering, should I drop Jose Peraza? You still have him as your number 13 second baseman, and again, like I said, Heath has him 20th. Kick it off with Jose Peraza. I flirted with dropping him in our... One of our shallowest leagues, the the podcast points league, 12 teams, 21-man rosters. Um, Dansby Swanson was out there, who I think is showing signs of a breakout. And I, I, I thought about dropping Peraza for him. I, I ultimately didn't do it. Peraza was basically Gene Segura last year. It, it would surprise you how many points he ended up scoring. The power uh, was better than I think people expected, but nonetheless, it was there. He doesn't strike out much. He steals bases. I think he's I think he's worth giving more time than that. I, I think the main difference between this year and last year is he's batting lower in the lineup, so maybe that run mm-hmm. total takes a hit, and that brings down his overall value. But it's there's still enough to like there for a guy who's now dual eligible, picked up second base eligibility with the Scooter Jeanette injury, um, and certainly in a categories league, just the possibility of him helping you in batting average and steals. Okay. Uh, that makes him worth keeping around. At shortstop, yeah, oh, sorry. Peraza was ninth in points, 10th in Roto at shortstop last year. Sorry, go ahead, Heath. Yeah, and I, and I really think that there can be a big enough difference. He spent most of last year hitting first or second. He has not hit higher than sixth in the order this year. And he's not really, like, he's not very good. He's not bad. He's a fine player. And if he leads off in front of good hitters, I think he could have very good value. I'm not sure that he's good enough to be a, make any sort of fantasy impact other than steals, hitting six, seven, three. And let's go to our final rankings dispute, and it's Paul DeYoung. As we look at shortstop here, Scott has Paul DeYoung 20th. This is almost the exact opposite of Peraza. Scott has DeYoung 20th, and Heath has uh, DeYoung 13th. And right now, DeYoung is the number two short. It's weird. He's the number two shortstop in points, number five in Roto. He should be better in Roto. But uh, batting 333 with a 419 BABIP, and he's hitting the ball really hard. He's off to a great start, bottom line. Uh, Heath, you've always been, I think, the high guy on Paul DeYoung. And yeah. You have him 13th. Are you going to move him up even higher than 13th, ahead of Glaber Torres? Or, well, it'd be hard to get him ahead of Gene Segura, I guess, at 11. No, I think 13. That's I haven't moved him up since the start of the season, and he's not going to hit 333. Some of this is good fortune. But he's already got 18 runs plus RBI in 12 games. And one of the big keys for him, kind of the opposite of Peraza, is he's spending most of his time in the middle of the order in a very, very good lineup that hasn't been quite as good yet as we expected it was going to be. Um, I think this is more a case 
And Scott and I have a little difference in our preseason rankings in that he lets ADP affect his rankings a little bit. There's no reason to rank a guy 150th if you can get him 220th. But that doesn't matter anymore. So I think Scott's going to move him up now. Yeah, what do you think, Scott? I will gonna... move him up. Okay. I will move him up. Um, obviously, it's it's an unsustainable start, but he is a good power hitter at a position that runs out of power hitters after you know the the – the the big elite tier, which is a large tier, but you know it thins out quickly. Shortstop, the highest I could justify moving him up is 16th. That would put him right behind Fernando Tatis for me. I'd rather have the upside of Tatis. Uh, other guys in that range that De, De Young could move ahead of are Enrique Hernandez, Cattell Marte. I probably wouldn't move him ahead of Tim Anderson in a, in my roto rankings, but points, I'd rather have De Young. No, I'd rather have Peraza based on the arguments I made in his favor. I mean, he yeah. was he was a really productive player last year, surprisingly productive. Basically, Gene Segura, like I said, compare their well, numbers it was side by side. He had an extra sixty plate appearances. That's a good point. I understand. I don't think he's going to be as good, but I think uh, he's not going to be as good as Paul DeYoung. You gotta get. You gotta. I think his combined you, run and field total will be higher than Paul DeYoung's. You gotta drop Profar. You gotta drop Profar. Let's let's do it now. I'd rather have Profar in a points league, but maybe in a categories league. Okay. Uh, more from yesterday. Here we go. Double dongs. Jose Altuve and Chris Davis. Double donged. And uh, Altuve, only one steal so far, but <laughs> you know, it's always fun to look at numbers after a hot streak. He now has five home runs, four of them in the last three games. I I think there's a perfectly fine argument to taking Jose uh, Altuve if we were redrafting as high as third overall. What do you think? And, and yep. I, I, and yep. it never, it never crept up. I mean, his ADP stayed in the second round. I, I just figured as we got closer and closer to the start of the season, it would move up. And the leagues I was doing, he, he was going late. I just don't get it. Uh, I, he's back, right? Altuve? Oh, I agree completely. I, I took him fourth in a couple of our roto leagues. So I, I agree with you completely. Yeah. Uh, great value. I mean, I anybody think... got in the second round, it's amazing. So. Let me um, let me see if I have this stat right. But both of his the exit velocity on both of his home runs yesterday was over 108 miles per hour, and he had four total batted balls last year where the exit velocity was 108 miles per hour or higher. So clearly showing that he's hitting the ball harder here, healthy than when he wasn't healthy last season. Yeah, good stuff for Altuve. All right, how about the slump busters? I'm going to read you some guys who are hopefully busting out of slumps, and you tell me if anything really jumps out at you. Brian Dozier, um, you know, three for six yesterday, homered a few days ago. He's five for his last 14 with one walk and one strikeout. That's Dozier. Jerks and Profar just needed to get away from home, and now he's at Baltimore, and he's homered in two straight games. Uh, Brandon Nimmo, 70% owned Brandon Nimmo, maybe coming around. He's four for his last 10. But he does have one walk and four strikeouts in uh, that stretch. Brandon Nimmo. Jesse Winker. You know what's so disappointing about Jesse Winker? Uh, even though he has gotten... He's been good the last couple games. He The Reds have not faced a left-handed starter yet. That's amazing. Um, and he's 59% owned. So there's Jesse Winker. And then Jonathan Scope. His last two games, he is 5 for 9 with two home runs. Is actually batting 348 on the year. So Dozier... <laughs> Profar, yeah, Nimmo, Winker, Scope, trying to bust out of their slumps. What do you guys think? 
I hope Boomer I, does. I have not lost faith in in any of them. I have talked about potentially dropping some of them um, just because roster space is scarce. But if you know, if you if you su- if you did drop one of them and suddenly have a spot to play with again, I I would make a move for any of them. Um, you know, Dozier and Profile probably aren't available in many leagues, but the others, Nimmo, Winker, and Scope, I would rank them Winker, uh, Nimmo, and Scope in terms of priority. Maybe move Scope ahead of Nimmo in a in a categories league, depending on need. I was very but close. Yeah, I, 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 I I was very close. I, I think they can all be still be productive. Dropping Brandon Nimmo. Uh, just a few days ago, I'm, I'm glad I didn't, but I would like to see him walk a little bit more, just overall, because that's that was his best skill. Um, okay, how about the legitometer? So give me a zero to ten on these guys. Michael Franco, only two strikeouts. I know he's a low strikeout uh, guy, but ten walks and two strikeouts this year, and he's off to a good start. Michael Franco, zero to ten on the legitometer. I'll give him a four. We've seen a lot of hot streaks from Franco. I hope he's good, but it's going to be really hard to be good hitting seventh or eighth. That walk rate, that he's, that's something he's never done before. And it is too early to know if it means anything, but um, I actually put him on this do not drop list I put together yesterday just because I'd, I'd hate, you know, obviously if you drop him, he's getting picked up right away, the kind of start he's off to. And I'd hate if, if this was a, uh, a skill change for him and he suddenly was a guy who could work the count and get on base apart from the, the you know, hitting his way on. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder though. Oh, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna rain on the parade a little bit. I mean, this is a good thing, but it's also a bad thing. So ten walks or uh, how many walks? Ten walks, six intentional. I had a feeling because you know he's batting eighth, Michael Franco. So six intentional. Didn't know that. Look, I mean, that's gonna help his OBP. It's gonna give him some points, but it may not mean that he's actually changed his skills at all. Um, Yeah, no, that's a good point. Yeah, I just thought of it. Uh, thank you. I'm a, I'm the best. Austin Meadows. <laughs> <laughs> Zero to ten for Austin Meadows. Another good game. Three for five with a home run. I'll give him a five because I think he's legit half the time. I'm not sure if he'll be legit against left-handed pitching or if he'll get to play all that much against left-handed pitching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, five sounds about right. He, he is like in, in terms of batted ball profile, he's doing everything you want to see so far. His soft contact rate is microscopic. He's ton of line drives, a good fly ball rate, but yeah, he's he's got to earn his way into everyday at bats, and um, that's not a foregone conclusion. All right, next, that's Austin Meadows. Next up, Matt Boyd. Another great start for Matt Boyd, uh, and he is now he got a two sixty ERA, six walks, twenty nine strikeouts, and has not allowed a home run in seventeen and a third. So, legitometer Heath on Matt Boyd still has a FIP below one. Uh, I'm going to give him a seven, which if you know my history with Matt Boyd, you know, that is very, very high for me. I did finally move him up into my top 40 starting pitchers. Oh. I, I are 42 or something like that. He's right in that range. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll give him, I'll give him a seven. He's, he looks like a different pitcher and he's been phenomenal so far. Well, I feel like I got to go age just to want to peep because <laughs> I have. I've been really excited about what he's doing too. Of the pitchers who I didn't believe in at the start of the season, he is by far my favorite now. Like he has um, made a believer out of me with the increased use of the slider, just kind of taking the Patrick Corbin route to success. 
And look, yesterday wasn't even a very good start. His velocity was down. He hardly used his third pitch and still got, you know, still had a really good line. The strikeouts weren't quite there, but it was one per inning. Yeah. And it was yeah. kind of disappointing, you know? Yeah. Um, and he has faced two terrible lineups and one solid lineup in the shadows. Toronto, the Yankees, and, uh, last, yesterday it was Cleveland for Mapaway. Trey Mancini. <laughs> Keeping it going, man. 89% owned, another homer. He's a top three first baseman. He's a top four outfielder right now, batting 362 with six home runs. Legit meter on Trey Mancini. I'll go five. I could see it being a change for him. He's, his, one of his big problems, well, his two biggest problems were, um, he depended on having a high bat. If he depended on having a high home run to fly ball rate, well, his fly ball rate is up considerably so far this year. Hard to tell if it's just, early season noise or if it's legit but um if it is legit then suddenly that takes care of the home run to fly ball rate needing an outlier rate there to matter i um, will say he, he does have an outlier rate right now mancini he's well even so i mean he's off what on like a 70 homer pace or something so that kind of <laughs> goes without saying but but yeah i mean if he's hitting more fly balls he's going to i think be a 30 homer guy and um i'm not as confident that he can keep the strikeouts the strikeout rate where it is so far but that's that obviously would be a good thing too i'll give him a four okay five for mancini for scott four for heath nico goodrum nico goodrum 59 percent owned and he went two for three with a home run yesterday he's batting 289 it was his first home run eight walks to 10 strikeouts six doubles for nico goodrum in six in 12 games so that's nice heath where are you on nico goodrum is he legit zero to ten um I mean, he's not really been great so far for fantasy purposes, and I don't think he's going to be good for fantasy purposes, so I guess he's legitimately not great. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't, like, well, he's got a 413 on base percentage, and he scored five runs because he's on the Tigers. Yeah, yeah. Six, du- uh, six doubles and the walk-to-strikeout ratio means that he's probably been good for points leagues, not Roto. Be- better for points leagues, I'm sure. Um, I, I, but, I mean, like just looking at what he did last year, he he was a 16 homer, 12 steal guy, and as a part timer. Um, so if 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 the plate discipline is something that can stick, like he can threaten for, I don't know, like a 2015 season. It's still somebody who's on the fringes of starting, even in like a roto lineup league. But I don't think he's I don't think he's useless. Okay, he's highly either. versatile. Neither of us gave a number. Yeah, it's okay. You don't understand the premise. He's like a top forty-five outfielder in points leagues right now. So, which, by the way, like, <laughs> like one, two more hits, you know, would move him up probably four <laughs> spots. But okay, uh, let's finish off with Jason Hayward. It was not easy to homer yesterday uh, in Chicago. You had twenty mile per hour winds blowing in, and you Darvis still gave up two homers and probably should have given up another. Uh, Jason Hayward though did homer. And he is now batting 371 with four home runs. His slugging percentage in his first three seasons with the Cubs is 325, 389, 395, with a total of 26 homers and 16 steals. Total in three seasons. But right now, Jason Hayward uh, has four taters and more walks than strikeouts. Legitometer. One. 
<laughs> oh, I will give him a four. I think he needs to be owned in five outfielder leagues at this point, just in case. Uh, he hasn't had – this is his fourth season with the Cubs. This is his, the first month in which he's hit four home runs, and there's still two-thirds of the month to go. Uh, the ground ball rate is down. The fly ball rate is up. And, like, yeah, it's probably not going to work out. Those are probably going to normalize. But if they don't, you've got a guy who hardly strikes out, has some – has a little speed, um, gets on base a lot. I don't know. He could surprise people this year. All right, Scott's convinced me, too. (laughs) Well, let me see something, Scott. Oh, you know what? I was going to call you out. I just figured you were wrong about the four home runs in a month because I was going to go, well, actually, he hit one of them in March. But he didn't. He hit all of them in April. So your stat is correct. Good job. And I want to end this the show. This is the stat I saw on Twitter. So. Uh, sorry. But, oh, okay, great. Uh, <laughs> I want to verified, en- whatever that means. End the show with the saves leaders in uh, the in the National League and the American League. They are Shane Green, who has eight saves, and John Hicks, who has uh John his I was going to read what his catcher John Hicks said about him and Kirby Yates who has 7 saves. John Hicks said that Shane Green's fastball has more depth, more sink to it than in years past and he's gotten more confidence with that pitch. It's moving so much guys can't put the barrel on it. It is easy to think of Shane Green as a bad reliever cuz he was so bad last year, but he was actually pretty good the year before with a 2.66 ERA although he did have a 1.24 whip. Um that's his only good season. So Shane Green and Kirby Yates finish the show with an exciting comment about these guys. Believe in Yates. Shane Green is still not good. And he's going to get traded. Well, that's the thing. Only like, if, even if he good. is good. Even if he is good, he makes himself more likely to be traded out of a closer role. Yeah. Okay, there you go. And Kirby Yates, I mean, I don't know that he's going to get traded because I think they're 8-5. and five. They're obviously looking to compete. So that's that's yeah. good. Yeah, for I think him. Kirby Yates is going to keep that job and save a ton of games. Um, Shane Green currently has more saves than strikeouts. <laughs> that is awesome. But well, he has seven strikeouts in eight innings, so it's not like he's been a total dud there. Uh, yeah, I, the, I, it was a factual statement. It, it was. It was a little misleading, while also factual, which is strange. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. That's going to do it for fantasy baseball today. We'll talk to you on a beautiful Kokomo Friday. Enjoy your Thursday. Talk to you then.